guys. Thanks so much for joining us this week for this week's episode of When I Grow Up. Today, I'm interviewing a geotechnical engineer who happens to also be my cousin. His name is Alex Hum. Hey, Alex, how are you? Hi, I'm doing good, Blair. How you doing? I'm doing well, and I'm so glad that you agreed to do this with me because um, if you are new to the, the podcast itself, um, you've probably remember in previous weeks and previous episodes, I've had two of my cousins on already, um, my, the NAUSA, Alicia, and also a chemical engineer, Dr. Tony Hom, um, who is Alex's older brother. So if you're, again, if you're new to the podcast, I'm the youngest of five cousins on my dad's side. And I've mentioned before, all of my cousins amazing people doing amazing things. I don't know about that. Yes. No, I I, um, am a little different than my cousins because they're all really smart and super studious. um, And they're all, all the males at least are engineers in our family. Fun fact. And um, we, I feel like at this point, including my husband, my husband's also an engineer um, and my dad and our dads, all of our dads. And, um, at this point, I feel like we've like covered all of the engineering, fe- not all of them, but a lot of them. But again, today, Alex is going to tell us what a geotechnical engineer does. Um, so, Alex, what yeah. does a geotechnical engineer do? <laughs> uh, well, thanks for the introduction. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to the studious part maybe a little <laughs> bit later and dispel some of those rumors. Uh, but a geotechnical engineer... Uh, it is a branch of, of civil engineering. Uh, in, the, in the shortest terms, um, we deal with earth and soil, the engineering properties and use of earth and soil, um, rock, soil, everything we build in this world, every road, every structure, every building, every utility we put in, everything we do is founded in the earth somehow. It has to be supported somehow. Um, so in order for anything to work properly in order for our roads to be straight, our buildings to be stable, our utility lines to, 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 to flow the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, the earth around it has to be engineered in a way uh, to, to provide proper support. Uh, so everything I do is quite literally underground. Uh, nothing you, for the most part, nothing you see is any work that I do. Everything we do is, is, is support, it's base. Um, it's really all about... Fi- for the most part, all about foundations. Um, so it, it's really just the support structure for uh, all of the infrastructure that makes the world go, basically. Okay, so that that's kind of crazy, only because um, there are so many things I know that go into creating and making buildings and structures. And I know this because my husband is a structural engineer. Dave is a structural mm-hmm. engineer, which is also, from what I understand, a branch of civil engineering. Yes. Um, so there are many things that have to happen in order for something to get built. It has yeah. to go through a lot of different people. And I'm assuming and I'm guessing that... Um, if you say no to something and it can't be built there, it can't be built there, right? Uh, y- yes, yes. It, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, yes, if, if I say no, it can't be built there, the answer is either, well, th- there's almost always a way to make sure it can get built. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be uh, more expensive than, wow. than what the original plan was, um, but you can almost build anything anywhere if you're willing to spend the time and money for it. Uh, so, so part of my job is to assess 
the area that's there that they're saying, hey, we want to put a building right here. It's going to be a five-story building with a two-story parking garage underneath it. My job is to go out before any construction is done, uh-huh. before any, any equipment goes into the ground, uh-huh. uh, to go to a site and, and evaluate that site based on what they plan to build there. So I can tell them, okay, well, this is what this is what you want to build. Here's what you're going to have to do to the ground, to the surface, to the earth, in order to provide support for what you're trying to build. Mm. And and if the if what's there isn't any good and it can't support that, I'm going. To, part of my job is to say, well, here are your options. What you can choose if you still want to build on this site. So you know, here are the other options besides just a. Uh, kind of a typical foundation, which, you know, anyone in construction, if you tell them what are called shallow spread foundations, a shallow footing is your typical just concrete footing. It's about three foot in the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, if a site is beyond that and it needs some sort of very specialized or specific kind of recommendations for it in order to get this building built, it's my job to tell them these, are, it's not my job to tell them what they have to do. Mm-hmm. It's my job to give them the options. Here are the things you have to do, you know, A, B, C, and D, mm-hmm. you know, these, these are your options that are in front of you. And then they decide based on whatever their economic situation is, their time frame is, things like that. Um, there are times where you go back to a client and say, this is what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And it's so expensive that they just say, no, we're going to walk away and we don't build the building there because the site's so bad. That, that's rare. That's rare because typically if, you've, if you're at the point where you're saying we need to build something here, you're committed enough to do whatever it takes. Um, they're not happy when they have to, you know, add, you know, extra cost to their to their budget. Sure. Uh, but if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Mm. Um, okay. So, as a geotechnical engineer, you are surveying this the ground and the land. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I had no idea this job existed. But of course, it does. Like, how does most, most people do? Yeah. <laughs> Like, I mean, but that makes complete sense, you know, but um, so how does, how do you even get started? Like what kind of assessments have to be made? And like, like you were saying, there are sometimes you tell them, you know, you can't build here. Like what determines that? Uh, what determines that is um, what's already in the ground now, like the, the, the condition that it's in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we assess that basically by doing some sort of subsurface exploration, typical um, explorations are what are called standard penetration test drillings. Mm-hmm. Basically, we drill a hole in the ground, uh, a vertical hole, about six to eight inches in diameter, um, and the, the drill is hollow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so as we drill down to a certain depth, we can sample the soil through the drill itself. So we mm-hmm. can drill down to five foot, 10 foot, 50 feet, 100 feet, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And there's a specialized soil sampler um, that, that we literally pound into the ground. Um, and this is all, it's all standardized. So the, the amount of weight, which is 140 pounds and how far you lift this weight up and drop it down on the sampler, which is 30 inches, um, that weight and that distance, um, depending on the number of the number of times you have to drop this weight on the sampler for it Mm -hmm. to advance into the ground, Mm -hmm. that number of blows. So if it only takes three blows, it's pretty soft. If it takes 45 blows, it's a lot harder. All of those have standard correlations back. We have charts and things like that. So that gives us an initial initial assessment of what the ground looks like. I see. Um, Then from there, we can take those samples. And then there are other ways to get samples. But 
So we, we have field measurements that tell us what we can see while we're collecting samples. Then we can take those samples back into our laboratory and run a number of other tests on them. Um, tell us the exact type of soil, the makeup. There are four basic uh, uh, divisions of soil, gravel, sand, clay, and silt. Depending on the uh, percentages of each one of those uh, uh, types, um, we can get a sense of, 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 of how the soil is going to react, how strong it's going to be. Um, and a lot of that just comes from experience and knowledge. But basically, we have to know what's in the ground, A, what's in the ground, and B, what condition it is in the ground to get us a sense of, of you know, how that's going to react when you put a load on it. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that we're going to have to look at, because um, it, it may not be the building itself, if a site is, um, let's say it's really hilly or it's sloped in a certain way, and you have to change the geometry of the ground by cutting and filling and moving soil around, um, that also changes what's going to be supporting the building. If you have mm -hmm. a site that you need to raise up eight feet before you can build it, let's say you're, you're trying to match uh, the roadway. So you have a flat driveway in, but your site is six feet below the road. Mm -hmm. You got to bring that. You got to bring your whole site up first before you build anything. Oh so gosh. the natural soil there is not specifically supporting the structure you're building. Mm -hmm. It has to support all the new soil that goes on top of it. Right. So okay. So knowing that ahead of time is important. Mm -hmm. um, and this is where. Uh, where the more information I had to begin with, like uh, how much design has been done, what kind of building, what the grading is going to look like uh, is important because th that changes my uh, plan for investigation. Mm. Um, because a structure and a footing, specific footing, is going to have what's called a zone of influence. Basically, you know, the, the soil that it's resting right on is going to take the most amount of load, the most amount of weight. And as you go deeper beneath that specific point, you know, it, it's going to dissipate less and less till you get to a point where it, the ground is no longer influenced by the weight that it's on. Mm -hmm. So I need to know how much fill is going to go in or how much natural soil is going to be there um, to judge, make sure I get deep enough so I can analyze enough soil, basically. Because if I just look at the top 10 feet, but the building is going to be eight stories, well, an eight-story building has a zone of influence that's way deeper than 10 feet. So just knowing the top 10 feet isn't important. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I need to know probably 40 or 50 feet. Um, you know, so that all depends on, 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 on what you're building, what the end use is going to be. Um, so what happens a lot of times is uh, because we're brought in, we, in a perfect world, we're brought in very early on before any work is done because you want to look at a site first. But oftentimes we're brought in before anyone's done any real design work. Mm -hmm. So they don't have a specific plan. They don't know exactly where the building is going to go. They don't know exactly what the layout is. They don't know exactly what the design is going to be. So oftentimes we'll come in and just do a preliminary analysis and say, here's what the site looks like. And then after they, if they get that information and then they figure out what their design is, we'll come back again on the same site and mm -hmm. do additional investigation. So a lot of times we'll look at a site twice, mm -hmm. once just to say, hey, here's the kind of soils you got out here. Mm -hmm. This is what you're generally dealing with. And that can help them sometimes with their design. And then once they have, okay, here's what our site's going to look like. Here's where the driveways are. Here's where the building is. Here's where a, a detention pond is or whatever. 
when they have specific layout, then we go back in and we do specific explorations for the specific elements. So if we know where the building is, we will drill specifically in that area now and concentrate uh, explorations because we know this is where the, the, the major load is going to be on the site because this is where the five-story building is going to be. This is where the parking garage is going to be. This is just a driveway. It's just asphalt pavement. You know, this side is just landscaped lawn. We don't got to worry about that side over there. So mm-hmm. w- once the design team has kind of narrowed that down, um, and those people are usually our clients. So those people that hire us, mm-hmm. other civil engineers. Mm-hmm. Once we have that information, so we'll go back in and look at it again, um, to all just to determine what's in the ground, what are they working with, and possibly what, what they need to work with in order to get their, uh, their, 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 their building or their structure, whatever their plan, in order to get that built. That is incredible because there are so many steps and things that have to happen and go right, you know, so that people don't die. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, essentially, yeah. right? Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, that, 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 that's, that's, uh, it, 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 it's not, it's not unique to civil engineering, but it's, 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 um, it, it's, it, it weighs heavily on civil engineers in terms of, uh, the, the worst case scenario, uh, is potential loss of life. Right. Um, be, be, I mean, I always talk I, to David about this too. Yeah. Guys yes, that, oh, that, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, you know, and it's something, you know, we talked about earlier, I'm sure we'll get to it a little bit later and we'll get to it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, about why having a professional engineer's license is so important, um, yes. specifically for civil engineers. Yes, please t- tell us. I know what a, pro- a PE is, a professional engineering license. However, I'm sure there are plenty of people that have never heard that term before. Yeah. And um, can you tell us what what the importance of licensing is? And sure. yeah, just tell us about it, I guess. Sure. Um, the uh, The textbook answer for why a professional engineer is important um, is because it, it certifies that the engineer in question who has done the design work, mm-hmm. uh, it states that that person is not just responsible for the work that they produce, but they are also responsible for the lives that work can affect. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it ensures that uh, the engineer takes the health and safety of the public into their design work. Mm-hmm. That uh, uh, the person designing your 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 structure or whatever you're doing uh, has a strong ethical background. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically makes me liable for anything that uh, I design, anything I put out there. So it, it comes with a um, it comes with an actual like a physical literal stamp that I, uh, when I put out a recommendation out, I have to stamp and I have to sign it. Per, me personally sign it. Mm-hmm. So uh, it states that yes, I. I did this. This is my stamp. This is my signature. Uh, basically, certifying that that I've looked at this and I put my professional reputation mm-hmm. and my 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 personal liability on this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, every engineering firm has we have insurance that covers you know potential problems or things like that. But uh, engineers can be held personally liable if things go wrong. Um, if you were to ever turn on a show like on History Channel or something like that, and there's a, a run of shows called Engineering Catastrophes. Oh, that sounds um, awful. Gosh. <laughs> it, really, it, it really is because 90% of them are all things that civils did wrong. Oh, it's a bridge God. that fell yeah. down, a building that fell down, things like that. Because, you know, it's not only civils that need that require, that kind of need a PE. 
you have mechanicals, mm -hmm. chemicals, electrical engineers, sometimes maybe aerospace or nuclear, some of the other disciplines, but a lot of those are, at least in my experience, a lot of those engineers, if they have a PE, it's for a very specific purpose because if they work on a very specific type of job, they have to have that, but it's not a requirement for to do their job entirely. Mm -hmm. um, to be a practicing civil engineer, you have to have a PE. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times because it is required by law that drawings, uh, uh, plans, recommendations to the building department, things like that, it, it's required that those things are stamped by a professional engineer. So if you don't have that, you can only go so far, which is to say, not beyond like an entry level, like kind of kind of go for work. Sure, uh, if, sure. if you want to do any actual engineering, you, you have to have a PE, you have to go through the process. Uh, otherwise, you Otherwise, you might as well not be an engineer. You might, <laughs> might as well not be a civil engineer. Uh, you, 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 just, you, you just can't do anything. I see. So how long after you graduated college did you, like, I know because you have to have some experience before yeah. actually taking the test itself to get your PE. Yeah. Um, so how long did you have to wait to get that license uh, this the uh the, the minimum so the the, the process is uh the first you have to take a, a first test which is called the fe the fundamentals of engineering uh -huh, uh -huh. most engineering you can take it any time because you know you can become an engineer at any point in your life most engineering students take that before they graduate most okay. engineering most schools will set it up where we're taking the fe this day and all the engineers who want to take it will take that before they graduate so when you graduate um you, presuming you've passed the test, you have that, you have your four-year degree from accredited, accredited university, which is another requirement, and then you need a minimum of four years working experience mm. um, at, at, at an engineering firm in the discipline you want to work in. So you have to go out and get some experience, at least four years. Um, me, I took it after five years because the third and fourth year I was moving and changing jobs. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't know exactly where I was going to be living. Because mm -hmm. um, in my fourth year of working, I was temporarily living in Indiana, mm -hmm. even though I was going to eventually live where I am now in Ohio. So I actually waited an extra year. But anytime after four years, you can sit and take the test. Um, at which point you, you, you know, you, you sign up, you pay the registration fee, whatever it is. And then it's a, it's a one day test. It's in two parts. There's a, it's a four hour test in the morning, which is a, again, a general engineering test. Um, that's just that everyone takes anyone taking the PE takes the same test. Mm -hmm. I should say by that, I mean, everyone per state, the test is a little different per state. I, okay. Okay. So, so I am registered in Ohio. Okay. Um, so that means I'm, I'm licensed to practice engineering in Ohio. Um, to work, in, I can work in other states, but in order to stamp anything to officially uh, 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 give recommendations or anything like that. I, I need to be licensed in those states. So I, I'm in the process of getting my Kentucky and Indiana licenses because I live in Cincinnati, which is in Southwest Ohio, and I work in Kentucky and Indiana and Ohio. Mm -hmm. So to have those three states is important. So the, the, are, the tests are state specific. But again, the morning test is general engineering, uh, four-hour test, and the afternoon test is a four-hour test that is specific to whatever you're looking to do. So mine was civil engineering. If you're a chemical, you take the chemical test, electrical, whatever it is. So uh, it's a, and it's a pass fail test, uh, you know, and you can take it as many times as you need to take 
uh, until you pass. So, I mean, like, um, David has not yet prepared for this test, um, but we know people that have. And from what I remember, it was a pretty, like, serious undertaking as it far is, as studying. Is. Yeah. The, 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 well, the hardest part that I found personally um, was studying again. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because I, you know, you, you when you're in school, it, it's easy because you're in the, you're in the, you're in the bubble of, of, right. of academia. So you're just used to, you've been doing it your whole life. You go to school, you go to class, you come home, you do your work, you study, you, you know how to read and process material specifically for taking tests. Sure. You yeah. Know? Because, you know, how often times do you study, you take a test, you take the test, and as soon as you leave the classroom, you forget everything. Exactly. Because you, know? <laughs> you, you only study, you study specifically for the test, not to actually retain any knowledge. So you get out into the real world for four or five years, and you work, and you lose, at least I did, I lost all of those study skills. Mm. Um, like how to, just to sit down and go through and read chapters and like take notes on stuff. Um, because part of my mind is like, this stuff's useless. You don't need this stuff in the mm, real world, mm-hmm. you know, or, and, and also because you're taking a general, for me, it took a general civil engineering test. That means I'm taking stuff on structural engineering, mm. transportation engineering, mm-hmm. like land surveying. Like I'm not a land surveyor. You got <laughs> to study this stuff, but I've spent four years specifically being a geotech. So I can ace through the, the soils questions, right, but when it right. gets to a structural question, like, I, I don't know. And it's all open book, which is both good and bad because you get people walking in there like they're wheeling in these big suitcases full of every textbook because you can you can use any reference you want. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, it, but it, it doesn't help if you don't know where to look. That's true. You know, you, if, you've got, <laughs> if you have eight books, if you have eight books on 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 uh, on on you know uh, uh, structural engineering, uh, that doesn't help you if you don't know which book to go to when you get That's the true. question. So. So it, it's kind of paralysis of choice there. So I, I know I brought I brought every book in my in my library. I didn't use all of them, mm-hmm. um, but you know, j- just in case, because you never know. Uh, but that was the hardest part for me, just like forcing myself to study, because like you hadn't been doing that. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, so yeah, that that, that 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 was the hardest part to get back into. So once I got through that and over it, it wasn't it wasn't so bad. So. Um, so- well, thankfully you did it successfully, right? The, did you do it the, yes. right the first time? Took two times. Well, you know, yeah. better late than never. And I'm just kidding. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It took two times through. The, 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 the first time I, and this is a little bit of the uh, thinking I knew how to study again. The, the first time I went through, I was like, yeah, no, I, I can I can read the stuff. I, I go through it. And I, I was studying in a way that I thought I was retaining information. Because uh-huh. I was like, yeah, I've been to school before. I don't need to really study this stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and I didn't didn't like really apply myself to studying because I was I was like, I know what I'm doing. I, I I've taken tests before. This is no big deal. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah, I I wasn't ready for it because I didn't <laughs> I didn't I, I I was a little overconfident. I, I was like, yeah, I, I was tr- I was re- I was coasting on how good I thought my skills for school still were, and 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 that was a mistake because all those skills had completely gone off the window. So the second so the- time around. I, I really, I, I, I gave myself a schedule. It's like, I, I got to study. I got to go through these oh, chapters okay. as if this is like, I'm actually in school. So yeah, the first time around was if I had applied myself the first time, I'm sure I would have passed, but I was kind of like, yeah, I got this. This is no big deal. Okay. So um, definitely it is a rigorous test because yeah, clearly you, you have to be ready for it. Yeah. You have to be ready for it. You can't yeah. just be yeah. like, Hey, I got it. But yeah, so, yeah. um, 
listeners advice you know if you're going to take the pe do it right the first time <laughs> i'm just kidding yeah 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 it's, it's another however much to, to pay for the test again so yeah. um well talking about you know your studies can you take us back i mean like did you always know hey I'm going to be a geotechnical engineer. That's hard for me to believe, but <laughs> no, uh, I want no, to know I everything. I want to know it all. I took a, I, I, the only thing I did know was that I, I, I was going to go into engineering in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a little bit because I, I'm sure you've talked about this with Alicia and Tony in previous episodes, but as we mentioned, uh, pretty much everyone in our family, every male in our family, not just on our side of the family, which for mm-hmm. me is my mom's side, also on my dad's side of the family, yes. everyone's an engineer. Everyone yes. is in some form of engineering. And I bet if we pulled everyone together, we'd probably hit almost every major discipline throughout my extended family. So, uh, and a lot of that comes from, you know, I was I was good in math and science and I enjoy mm-hmm. math and science. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it seemed like a natural segue, but I wasn't, I wasn't entirely certain kind of what specific discipline I wanted to go to. So when... I was looking at that colleges. Um, I, I wasn't looking specifically like, oh, I got to find the best engineering program. I got to, I got to find, or, or, or the best chemical engineering program or the best electrical engineering program or computer engineering. I was just, when I, for me going to college, I went to the university of Virginia. Um, I picked the place that I just wanted to go to school. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, because as important as I think specifically in engineering, as important as, uh, your undergrad degree is and what your degree is in, you're going to learn the same stuff in any school. This, mm. this is, this has been my things that I've learned now that I've worked out in the, you know, for several years now and you meet other engineers mm-hmm. and like the people you work with, like they don't all go to the quote unquote best engineering schools. They go all sure. over, yeah. you know, the, the, the principal engineer in my office, the guy who's got 40 some odd years experience. He went to some tiny ass school like this really podunk school in indiana that i've never heard of but the guy's <laughs> the, the guy's great yeah you know like he knows the stuff because so much of what you have to do is is actual experience mm-hmm. so education is important what you learn is important i said you're, you're going to learn the fundamentals pretty much anywhere um specifically when it comes to 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 to, to the civil discipline i believe so mm-hmm. when i picked going to school at the university of virginia it was pretty much like I visited. And I was like, "This school is awesome. I want to go to school." <laughs> you know, it was it was less about this is the best program for me. It was I, I want to have the experience of going to college here. So the the academics weren't like, I mean, well, it's a great academic school. Um, I when I first told my parents I wanted to go to school there, they're like, "Well, I, University of Virginia, I've never heard of that. Why do you want to go to school there?" Uh, and, and I was able to tell them, "Well, listen, if you look at the U.S. News and World Reports rankings, it's the number one public university." And then they were like, oh, really? Is it everyone public university? Well, then you should go to school there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so once I sold them on that, uh, so the academics are, it's a great school, but it's not a great specific engineering school, you know? Mm. You know so it, for me, it was just the experience of going to college and, and wanting to be in that place. Um, so when I'm there, at least at UVA, all first-year engineer students, you're all thrown in. You, you, don't, you don't specialize in a discipline until your second year. Okay. So your first year, your first two semesters, it's just all general stuff. Everyone takes the same stuff. You take calculus, you take chemistry, you take physics. It's the same stuff that everyone takes. And and really it's a way to kind of weed out students, like people who don't want to, maybe engineering school wasn't for them. So Mm -hmm. it's a year of kind of weed out. So that's just core math and science stuff. And then Mm -hmm. you declare major after your first year, 
at the end of your first year and you're starting your second year, you start taking uh, major specific classes. And I still wasn't 100% certain where I wanted to go. Um, so I actually started out as an electrical engineer. Oh. Uh, so that was my, so my, my first semester of my second year. So my third semester in college, I'm an electrical engineer. Um, and I hated it. I Why hated did you it. hate it? What, what made you I, hate I, it? I, I, it, it, it didn't click with me. I, okay. I thought it would, but it, it really didn't click to me. I didn't engage with it. Uh, and as a result, didn't go to class much. Okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> didn't go to like that, that. That's an overstatement to say I didn't go to class. <laughs> I just I, I wasn't into it. Um, uh, as a result, that third semester was academically the worst I've ever done in my life. Like legitimately, the worst I've ever done in my life. And at the end of that semester, really had to had to kind of do some soul searching and try to really hone in on what I wanted to do, what I liked to do, mm-hmm. what it is I liked about engineering. Uh, and what I came to was really the practical use of engineering, like in, in really in a real world situation, mm. not in a lab. Like Tony, my brother is a, he was a chemical and a biomedical. He's a lab rat, you know, he liked working in a lab, working in that kind of section there. I like the practical use of engineering, engineering in the world. Mm. And so that leads me to civil engineering because we're mm. constructing and building things. So that's how I got onto a civil track. Um, and as I got into the civil track, then things started to click in terms of, okay, I'm now engaging with these classes. I, uh, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm much more attentive in class because I, I, uh, I'm seeing how this stuff can translate and how kind of the things I'm good at, mm-hmm. the, 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 the way I think and the way kind of my mind is set up is organized in a way that, that, that works towards civil engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean specifically by that is uh, I think very much spatially. Uh, in terms of how things fit together, uh, the, the the joke I use is uh, I'm really good at building Lego. I mm-hmm. love building Lego sets. So how things fit together, um, any sort of logic puzzles like tangrams, things like that, shapes fit together. Um, I'm the best per- person at packing a car. If you're going on a trip or you're moving, oh, yeah. how things fit together. Uh, I, I think very good space. I'm a really good Tetris player. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I'm the best Tetris player I've ever met. I've never met anyone who's better at me because I see how things fit together. So I can, I, spatial, spatial relations and how things fit together, just that, that clicks with me. So when you're thinking about civil engineering, you're thinking about how roadways and buildings work together, how utility lines fit together. It, it's city planning, it's land planning. And so that's kind of the direction I was going in. I liked the idea of site planning, whether it was, landscape planning, like uh, uh, site grading, whether it was city layout, like roads and bridges and things like that. Um, so I was in kind of a, a dual path going kind of a, a, a soils route, a geotechnical route, and also a transportation route, like roadway planning mm-hmm. and, and city planning and things like that. And I thought I was going to be a transportation engineer, the person that goes out and lays out roadways, you know, oh. you know, um, highways and roads, uh, intersections, stoplight timing, things like that. I yes. thought that's where I was going to go because I liked that logical layout work. Um, that ended up being, those classes ended up being kind of boring. So I took those classes and just realized that's not kind of what I wanted to do. So I, I moved away from that, but I, that, that's where I thought I was going to go in civil. And I moved more into, into the geotechnical civil site survey, which was the overall site planning, um, layout, site design, which is 
where your driveways go, where your drainage goes, where the building goes on a site, things like that. Everything on, on how to lay out uh, a, a new construction. Uh, that's the path I went down. Um, and then the first job I got out of school was with a, a geotechnical firm. Uh, and once I got into that and really started working with foundations and soil engineering, uh, I've stuck with it. So That's so interesting. I'm like, because, okay, what I'm thinking about as you're talking, though, is the um, amount of self-awareness that you had during those college years to kind of even realize that, you know what, this is not for me. I need to figure out what is for me and identifying the things that you enjoy doing. I feel like that's um, that a lot of people miss that mark because I think, or at least my personality, I think I always felt felt like I'm committed to this thing and I'm just going to go for it. And even, and I, it's almost like, even if, this mentality of like, oh, maybe I don't like it now, but I maybe if I push through, I'll eventually like it. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? I, I, I do, I do, and I, I, I have part of that as well. And I, I'm, I, and I'll be honest, I only came to that realization in school um, because that semester went so poorly, because mm-hmm. I was so disengaged, because I, I really was kind of at at rock bottom in terms of academic career. Like I. I I came close to failing out of school, which That's I had never done before. For me, yeah. Yeah, it, it, because I was I was so disinterested in what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to make a choice and to say, well, I, I can't keep pushing through here because clearly, if I do another semester of this, I'm not going to like it. Right. So so had I not reached that point where you know I had a big sit down with with my folks as well, and I remember my dad just being like, you need to figure out what you need to, what, what you want to do because mm-hmm. you can't keep doing this mm-hmm. and. In my mind, I'm thinking, well, yeah, of course he's right. I can't keep doing this because mm-hmm. I can't, I can't stay on this track. If, if I knew before the first semester was over, partway through, I knew I wasn't into this, mm-hmm. you know. But while I was in it, I wasn't thinking about what, what what I wanted to do else. I was just thinking, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And as a result, my grades just plummeted. Mm-hmm. So once I hit the bottom, you then you have to have that self reflection of, okay, well, like I got to figure this out because, like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. I put myself in a position where I have no other options now. I need to figure out what it is I actually want to do. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, I, was, I, I, I didn't really know. All I knew was I didn't want to go down this path I was on. Right. So it wasn't like I had other paths in front of me. It was just the one I, I'm seeing is just a dead end. Right. So I got to find another one. Right. So yeah. that forced that self-reflection on me mm-hmm. um, that you know, otherwise I, I wouldn't have gotten to. Um, which is not something I recommend. I don't recommend almost <laughs> failing out of school. And then being like, hey, wait a minute, maybe I should figure some stuff out here. I don't recommend anyone do that. Yeah. Um, try to figure that out earlier. Uh, and, you know, so even if you're not totally right, you can be on the, the right kind of track, mm-hmm. which I was just not. So, but once I got there and things started to click, and like I said, I really started to engage with the material I was working, I was, I was working on and doing in school, mm-hmm. then things turned around for me and, and, and a path became clear. But in the moment, it sure wasn't. So... Um, in college, is there like, so there are specific geotechnical programs or? Um, Yes. Some schools have that. Um, so similar to, I think what David has is what I have. I have a degree that says civil engineering. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my diploma just says civil engineering. That's it. Um, there's no, there's no statement of what your concentration was, what Mm -hmm. your focus was, things like that. All that comes 
in the specific classes that you choose. Okay. So you can choose, if you want to be a structural engineer, you can take all the structural courses. If you want to be an environmental engineer, you take all the environmental engineering courses. Um, so that when you graduate and you go for a, a job interview or whatnot, um, they're going to ask you what kind of classes you took and you can tell them that. So okay. the civil engineering gets you into a civil engineering firm, but you're going to, you're going to talk to the people and uh, uh, apply to a job of the things that really only, you know, you know, mm-hmm. I know I took these courses. I know I have familiarity with these courses, but it's not, that's not listed, you know, officially anywhere. Like, I guess if you got my transcript, you'd see what classes they <laughs> were, but my diploma, my diploma just says civil engineering, right. but I took the courses that were in, Civil engineering, um, materials testing, um, uh, uh, construction engineering, things like that. Things that are all adjacent to my field. I see. Um, uh, So I'd be ready for any job that was in that general direction. I'd have the knowledge base from an academic side, at least, a a, a basis of knowledge. So when I get into the workforce, I'm not complete. Like things aren't completely foreign to me. Um, So you mentioned earlier too that you like math and science Mm -hmm. so when you're doing like testing of soil and materials is that lab work it it, it is um earlier in my career uh as most engineers will do you'll you'll do everything so you'll do um you'll be out in the field actually doing field work um you'll be in the laboratory actually doing tests on, on soil materials um, I, I don't do that as much now as I've had more experience there, but it's the kind of thing that uh, it, it's the kind of experience that you need so that when I go out into the field, when I have to go out in the field or when I talk to the guy who runs our lab, I, I know what I'm talking about because I've run those tests myself. Mm. Um, uh, but, you know, going back to this, the, 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 the science and, and the math basis um, it's a bit of a it's a bit of the conundrum when it comes to engineering that you have to take all these high level math courses, mm-hmm. um, and the highest level math I do any day is like basic trigonometry. Okay. <laughs> like, like, like I had to take calculus and differential equations and nonlinear uh-huh, algebra, uh-huh. and every engineer takes that stuff. Yes. Uh, and and when you're in school, you have a graphing calculator that you know to do all this stuff and all this. Ba- when you take the PE, you have to have a standard non-graphing calculator, mm-hmm. like the basic like. model you can get at like Walmart um, because that's the highest level math you have to do. And in school, you have to do all this math, like no calculators, a lot of places, no calculators, all your head. And it's like, you got to memorize all this stuff and you get out in the workforce and you're like, right, I can use a calculator. Of course I can, you know? So like, I don't trust myself to like add two numbers together, like 55 and 28. Like I'm going to make sure I do that. I put that in the calculator because I don't trust myself to do that math in my head anymore. Um, So you have to have that base to get into it. But Mm -hmm. when you're actually the actual, like my day-to-day stuff, like I'm not using high-level math or anything like that. But it's just, I guess it's more of a way of thinking, Mm -hmm. Um, having a kind of logical mindset, a scientific method kind of mindset of trial and error, testing, hypotheses, things like that. Just having a a mindset and approach to everything, even if it's not the highest-level math that I'm doing, highest-level science that I'm doing, it's the same approach no matter what. That makes sense. I understand that now. Um, speaking of your day-to-day, like, yeah, what does that look like? I mean, you mentioned before that you do go out in the field and things mm-hmm. like that, but what does a typical day for a geotechnical engineer look like? A typical day for me is going to be a combination of a couple things. One is either writing or reviewing reports. So uh, a project that I'm in charge of, 
that I have looked over and, and, and managed. Uh, I'm going to write up recommendations for whatever they're building, whatever they're constructing. So it's a writing report, and that gets off to another engineer who's going to review it. When they write something up, I'm going to review that as well. So everything that we get sent out, at least two eyes have looked on it, looked at it. So I'm either writing or reviewing a report uh, and all that's basic office work, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sitting at, at a computer and, 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 and writing or reading uh, reports, also re- uh, reviewing field reports. I mentioned we have guys out in the field. Those are, those are technicians who are out doing testing uh, during construction. So mm-hmm. my job as an engineer, uh, all of our explorations, things like that, I mentioned they, they should take place before any actual construction is done, before any equipment has moved on to a site, before they've done anything uh, uh, of what they're planning to do, we should get out there and do our testing for the engineering uh, aspect. Once they do start construction and they start moving earth, placing concrete, putting up steel or anything like that, we typically have a representative from our company out on site kind of doing third-party monitoring, making sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do. Every every construction job has a, a specification book saying that, the soil has to be this. The concrete has to be this. Things like that um, to make sure that the, the, the building is built properly. Because mm-hmm. um, there are some contractors that are, you know, they're going to want to cut corners. You're going to mm-hmm. do things that are cheaper and faster and things like that. Uh, so we come in as a third party and watch them. Uh, and we take periodic testings and things like that. So we have a guy outside doing that. Um, and then I, as an engineer, are going to review that and make sure that, okay, here's what we got to, you know, make sure that, uh, they're in site collecting the data. They're running the test in the field. And then I look back at it in the office and say, okay, well, this is good. This is good. Hey, this is a problem. What happened on this day? You know, this test is bad. What are we going to do about it? And we bring that up to the client and say, okay, hey, on this day, the soil that you placed is no good. It's got to be, you know, you, you got to address this somehow. So it's my job to look at that before the report gets officially issued. And all that office work, that report reviewing and writing, that's all like 60, 65% of my job. The other 30% is actually going out on a job site. Um, mm-hmm. Because like I said, we have a technician on site. Um, but that guy, you know, may or may not uh, have a degree in, in, in anything engineering wise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a guy that's out there kind of doing, doing the physical work. Um, so, you know, he's my mouthpiece on site. I'm talking to this guy. There's an issue on site. Uh, and he, he'll relay back to me, hey, here's what I'm seeing. Here's what the tests are saying. Here's some pictures of all this. And I can talk to him and say, okay, here's what my recommendations are. But sometimes the, 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 the people on site, they want to talk to the actual engineer, me. So I have to go onto a job site. And a lot of times it's walking up. It could be five minutes. Walk onto a site and be like, nope, this is terrible. You got to fix it. This is what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Which is what I could have said over the phone. But sometimes you have to actually be there. So I got to visit a job site and, and, and actually kind of be the voice of authority because as a professional engineer, my, what, what I say goes. So I got to be on site and, and, and deal with that and, and be able to communicate with that, with the people on site, with people with, you know, varying level of experience. Um, You know, cause a lot of these guys who are moving earth and all that, you know, they've been they could have been doing that for 45 years, you know? Mm-hmm. The guy's been on a bulldozer since he was 18, and he's been doing that his whole life, and he knows what to do because I've been doing this my whole life. And, you know, <laughs> I got to come in, and I got to be the guy who comes on site and be like, hey, well, no, that's that worked before, but maybe it doesn't work now. So it, you, you have to be that voice of authority 
um, to, to see when, when things come up um, that are, you know, that require kind of specialty attention. And, mm. and um, as, as homogeneous as some sites are, like in, in Greater Cincinnati, I know if you're in a certain part of town, I know what the soil is going to be like because sure. I've worked there enough. Yeah. You know, um, if it's a, a, it's a two-story building addition uh, on, a, on an office building or something like that, like I, I know what to expect if it's in a certain part of town, whether it's on the east side of town or the north side of town or something like that. I know what the soils are going to be because I have the experience. But every so often you you get a site that requires special attention. And so, um, you know, I, to do my job better, I have to actually see what's there. If I can see what the soil looks like, if I can see what the rock looks like, if I can see what the ground is doing, um, all that information is helpful to me. Mm-hmm. That I can't just get from looking at soil samples in a lab or looking up at a a, a a geology map online or something like that. So you have to get out in the field. You have to see what's going on uh, to to really have a handle on what's happening. So yeah. you know, I have to get out in the field sometimes. I got to get out there and and literally get my hands dirty uh, <laughs> yes. uh, to, your, to to know what's case. going on. Yeah, 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 actually, which sometimes that means, you know, tromping around in the woods or walking through a swamp or something like that, oh, which isn't the best days, but yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's what you got to do. I've done that plenty of times. I mean, so it sounds like you enjoy what you do. I, I do. I do. Yeah. Um, it, uh, there is, you mentioned before how, you know, engineering soil and earth is something you never, you never really considered that that had to be done. And, and that goes for the vast majority of people in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't think about, and really, if I've done my job correctly, you shouldn't think about that. You shouldn't think about right. how your road goes, if your building is stable, if your if your water pipe, if your water line is, is straight and aligned. You shouldn't have to think about these things. So, I, I get satisfaction driving around town. Like I can drive all around town and see projects that I've worked on, that I, that mm. I've done, buildings that I've done. Uh, structures that I've worked on and, and I get satisfaction out of that knowing that it's up there and it's good and it's solid and, and it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, so I, I do enjoy that uh, because it, it, it is um, my work only gets known when something goes wrong, you know, right. uh, cause like, like uh, the, the perception is no one's, no one's life is better. If I do my job correctly their life just functions as they expect it to, mm. you know, like your life is, yeah. your life isn't improved. If, 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 if your building is stable, you expect your building to be stable. You yes, know? I it, do. It, it is I a, do expect it is a, that. It yes. isn't an added benefit that your building is not moving, that your roads are, aren't, aren't breaking and falling apart uh, or, or, or seeking or, and settling and all that. That's what you expect it to be. It's only when things go wrong uh, that your 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 building has cracks in it. It's settling. Your 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 roadway has cracks in it. It's settling. Your your retaining wall is sagging and falling down. Your slope behind your house is giving away, and you're losing you know your your backyard or something like that. Only when things go wrong do people have an understanding of wait a minute why is this going wrong? Who do we call to fix this? Yes. So there is a little bit of 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 uh, I don't want to say gratitude, but it's it just the there there is a there's a kind of a mundaneness to to my to my field of civil engineering of just this is what has to be done so the rest of the world can function as properly you know yeah would you say like that's what you love about your job 
Like, because I mean, it's, yeah. it's vital, you know? Yeah. I, 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 yeah, well, I, 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 I like being part of, of building infrastructure because infrastructure is what makes the world go. Yes. Um, in, in the most basic sense, uh, having roadway network, having utility network, things like that. So no, I said, I, I get satisfaction driving around town and being like, yeah, I worked on that building there. I, I did this roadway here, that retaining wall. I built that, you know, I designed that. I, I get satisfaction in that and knowing that, that they're functioning properly yes. and that, and that they're not causing they're not causing harm to to the surrounding people in the surrounding areas. Uh, that I've done my job, you know, properly. I've done it correctly, uh, and and thus it goes unnoticed. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that you just see a forty foot retaining wall, uh, and you don't think anything of it because it's not cracking, it's not leaking water through anything like that. It's just there, and you drive by it on a road that you're not thinking about because it's just there. Right. Uh, so yeah, I I I, I take satisfaction in, in having kind of a, a a hidden hand in the world we see. No, definitely. I mean, okay. So David might not like me telling people this, but it's okay. Um, I mean, I kind of make fun of him honestly because you know this engineering. So I guess nerdy side of him like he'll go buy things and like he'll be like hey look at that building or like oh wow that's really cool like just like the structure of it if they're just starting to build it because he knows what's happening right and I'm like great yeah cool but then (laughs) kind of roll my eyes but like that's a fairly that's a fairly common trait amongst specifically civils anyone who works in construction when you drive by something like that whether it's in construction or when it's finished uh, yeah, no, I, I notice things all the time. Yeah, Absolutely. and like I kind of, again, kind of like roll my eyes, make fun of because I don't know that side, but I appreciate that side, you know, because I'm like, yeah, that's cool that you like your job that much, you know, <laughs> but I'm curious, like at the risk of sounding a little bit silly and ignorant, like, do you look at soil and are you like, huh, interesting, like, like, like that? Uh, or- uh, uh... Yeah, I'll, I'll, sure. I'll, I'll answer truthfully. Yes, uh, <laughs> I, I do. Um, it, it is. It is because uh, I find it interesting. Because the thing about the thing about soil and earth is that um, the part that I find interesting is that it has history. Um, mm-hmm. Soil remembers everything that's ever happened to it, and I'm not talking about. I'm not just talking about a building that might have been there 50 years ago. I'm talking about the two foot thick glacier that was there the first ice age mm. or the two foot thick glacier that was there, the second ice age, you know, or the ancient riverbed that flew that, that, that was there that left sediment there, you know, all those years ago, all that, it remembers all of that. So the weight of that giant glacier, the soil remembers that weight, even though it's long gone, that, that, that amount of pressure, that amount of weight uh, uh, is still present there. And that affects that affects the, the characteristics of that soil. So, um, so knowing geology of an area, knowing what, what happened before, uh, uh, it, it is critical to, to, to how I do my job today. So I, I find that stuff interesting, knowing what was there before. And, and depending on where you are in the country, you know, it, 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 it varies wildly. You know, uh, so I, I went to school in Virginia and the, but the first part of my, my, career working was in the state of Virginia, uh, Virginia has six very specific geographic zones kind of moving east to west. Mm-hmm. So depending on where you are, 
uh, in, in the state, you can get wildly different conditions um, just because that's how the state was formed, mm-hmm. uh, how, how the landmass was formed. Um, uh, and so it, it presents challenges depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was there was one project I remember uh, right in downtown Richmond. I worked in Richmond, Virginia, the capital of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we were building a new federal courthouse downtown. Um, and it was right on one of these kind of geographic changes. So the west side of the building, bedrock, solid bedrock, was about five foot deep. So you dig down and you could build literally anything on that. It's super solid. It's right there. That was the west side of the building. By the time you got to the east side of the building, that bedrock falls off. (gasps) And the east side of the building is on sand and bedrock is over 200 feet deep. So basically you can't find bedrock now. So this one building uh, 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 has had to have different uh, 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 foundations for each side because the conditions were completely different because it happened to fall right on one of these these different geologic lines. Um, so challenges like that and knowing something like that, like to me, that's interesting. No, uh, it's I a pain. Think... It, it, it's a total pain to try to design because and, and to actually build because you're talking about you know simple shallow footings on rock that this rock is hard to hold anything on this really kind of loose sand. You have these 50, 60, 70 foot piles that go deep into the ground to try to support it. Um, it, it, it's a challenge like that. And those things are rare, but they exist. Uh, and But you only get that in a place like Virginia where you mm-hmm. have those kind of geographic differentiations. If you go out, you know, west uh, 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 California or Arizona, something like that, you know, you're your, your soil conditions are totally different. Mm-hmm. And what you have to deal with over there is completely different than what you have to deal with like where I am in Ohio, which is mm-hmm. why the PE license is state specific because mm-hmm. you're dealing with different things. Like in, in California, obviously you got to worry about earthquakes. Yes. Um, seismic activity is critical. So what do you do to design for that? Um, your tolerances for movement in the earth due to earthquakes and whatnot are a lot different than if you live in Ohio where, yeah, we may get an earthquake here or there, but it's really, really minor, but it's a big earthquake for us because we don't have earthquakes. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's like, uh, it's like an inch of snow. Isn't a lot, isn't a big deal if you live in Minnesota, but an but inch in of Atlanta. snow in Texas, <laughs> or in Atlanta, an inch of snow in Atlanta will cause 200 car wrecks in a day, yes. you know? Yes. So uh, a 3.2 earthquake in, in the Midwest is a big deal, mm-hmm. but like a 3.2 in LA, like they don't even feel that, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's nothing to them. Mm-hmm. So where you are in, 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 in the world will change your approach to how you design footings. Um, so yeah, when I go someplace new or someplace different, um, I'm always curious as to what the conditions are. I like to know uh, what the challenges are for an engineer in the other part of the country or something like that. So yeah, something like that is, is interesting to me, the different types of soil, the different types of rock. Um, yeah. I, I, I like to know cause I'm a nerd like that. No, I mean, I love that. I, I think that's so cool. Maybe I'm a nerd too, I guess, but I, cause even that story you're telling about, you know, in Virginia, how you had to build on two different soils mm-hmm. on the same building. Like that's mm-hmm. crazy to me. And I love that kind of history. And I thought it was really interesting that you were saying that. I had no idea that soil could tell a story. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. 
yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, 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 it you know, it, it was this soil placed there? Was it windblown? Did it fall off a cliff? Was it placed there by some sort of waterway, like a river or a lake that's not there anymore? Right. All those things uh, will contribute to how it's going to act now. Like if there was an ancient lake bed somewhere that's now dried up, well, the soil that was there will will is placed in a way where it just settles at the bottom. You know, you, you put soil in in a in some water, like a uh-huh. uh, uh, like a uh, uh, a beach pail or something like that. It'll eventually settle on the bottom, uh-huh. by, you know, by its own weight through gravity. But it's not going to settle like real compact. It's going to be kind of loose, mm. or you know, depending on what the soil is like, um, uh, 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 it, it'll settle in in it uh, at different rates. So mm. sand and gravel are going to settle a lot faster than silt and clay because they're they're bigger, heavier pieces. So if something settles in water, it not only will settle loosely, but it'll settle in layers, uh, or it can settle in layers. So all that information tells me about what I'm going to ex- what I'm going to expect when I try to build something there. So I have to know that um, because that will affect my recommendations. If I know something is 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 a material that previously had a glacier on it, well, no building I'm going to put is going to is going to have is going to equal the weight of a two mile thick ice glacier. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that soil has already experienced the greatest load it's ever going to experience. You know, nothing will be ever be, will ever top that. Mm-hmm. So I know that soil is really solid. It's really stiff uh, uh, and can take a lot of weight uh, and isn't going to be as uh, 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 variable as something that may have uh, just been like windblown or, or, or deposit there by water where it just settled on its own sure, or it yeah. could be real loose uh, and very compressible. So all the, all those things, yes, it does tell a story. It tells a story of what was there before. Um, and, and that can even go to if this building, like if you're in, a, in an urban area, you know, buildings are going to be built and demolished two, three, four times over. Mm-hmm. So if a site already had something there before, um, I want to know what that history is. Did it have a basement where that was filled in? What was there before? Was it an old brick building? Was it a known stone foundation? Something like that. So, you know, history isn't just millions of years ago. History is also like 40 years ago. Yes. Or fifty years ago, yes. uh, all that stuff matters. That's crazy, so crazy. Yeah. Is there anything that you just like don't like about your job that you can share with people? <laughs> uh, yes, uh, and it's not something about the actual job itself. It's about the industry of the job. Okay. Um, my industry is is too often based uh, on a on a cost basis. Um, mm-hmm. Projects get awarded too often basically on who's the cheapest, mm-hmm. not who's going to do the best work. I see. Um, which is a problem um, because if there's one firm that's really cheap on their price, you should be asking yourself, why are they so much cheaper than someone right. else? So it's not about what you're getting for that price. It should be, you should be asking, what are you not getting for that price? Mm-hmm. Um, because in the grand scheme of things, um, there's not a lot of money in geotech engineering. The profit margin is very small. You know, I don't make a whole lot of money. I make a living, but I, I, I don't make a huge amount. But in the grand scheme of things, overall to a construction budget, the, the specific geotechnical engineering portion of the budget is really, really small. Like you could be spending half million dollars, you know, a, a million dollars on a development and your geotech budget may be like $20,000. That, that's all it takes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got a million dollars in your budget 
for an engineering firm, it's going to be like $20,000. Well, but instead of spending $20,000, they're going to go to the firm that spends $15,000 and save themselves $5,000. Okay, you saved $5,000, but you're spending a million on this. Right. You know, and if you save $5,000 and something goes wrong, the cost to fix it is not $5,000. Yeah. The cost to fix it could be $50,000 or $100,000. So we try to tell people you have to weigh the idea of spend a few extra thousand dollars now. So you're not spending hundreds of thousand dollars later because the further you go in construction uh, to try and fix a problem, obviously the more expensive it's going to be. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you can find things up front when nothing has been done by spending a little more extra money on a, on a firm that has experience, you know, you can save yourself money down the line, but they don't think, a lot of people don't think that way. They're thinking, well, if I can save a thousand bucks now, I'm good. Well, that thousand bucks could cost you 20,000, 30,000 later. Um, and so that's a frustrating part. Um, especially when like I, I just submitted a proposal that had to include a, a, a statement of qualifications package, which is saying, here's our firm. Here's all of the work that we've done in the area you're working in, in here's all the projects we've done that are similar to what you're trying to build. Here's everything that we've done, all the experience we have with our engineers, our lab. Here's everything that we do that we can bring to your project. And I found out that we didn't get the project because the client just went on price. And I thought, well, if you're just going to go on price, then why am I submitting all this stuff? Why do you care about mm-hmm. what our experience is if you're just going to flip to the end and be like, okay, well, they cost 10000 they cost 12000 they cost 8000 We're going to go with the 8000 Like, what was the point of all this stuff? What's the point of having all this experience if you're just going to go on price? And that happens too often. Um, so that's a part of the industry I don't like because yeah. it gets to a point where um, there are not a lot of firms that do this stuff. And so it, it's a pretty small community. So anytime a bid goes out for a project, like, I know who's going to bid on it. And not just, it's not just I know the firms, like, I know the actual people. I, I know the other engineers and other firms. I know my competition because mm-hmm. I've worked with them on stuff mm-hmm. and against them on stuff. Mm-hmm. So like you, you just know, well, if it's a certain project from a certain client, like sometimes we don't even bother bidding on it because they're not going to pick us. They're going to go with who they know who's cheap, you know? And so it's like, it's not worth the effort to try and do this because we're going to put all this time in to try and put this bid together. That's really attractive and really good for them. And they're just going to ignore it and be like, we're going to go with these guys because they're cheaper. Right. And, 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 and that's a bummer. And that's the part that uh, there's nothing I can do about that because you can only cut prices so much. Yes. You know, if you cut prices so much, you can't deliver a quality project. Yes. Product. And all that comes back to having a PE stamp. My name is going on this eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, my stamp and my reputation is going on this. So if it's going out with my name on it and my reputation on it, it's going to be good. It's going to be worthwhile. I'm not going to cut corners by slashing my price down and reducing and intentionally reducing my ability to do my job just so I can get a job, Mm -hmm. just so I can work on this project. I'm not going to do it, you know, uh, at at 50% just to win it. Right. Um, Because I got to put a stamp on it. And there are some engineers that will do that. Obviously there, there's, there's someone that'll, you know, they'll, they'll cut costs and they'll kind of take that loss to get more work in. And uh, I don't think that's a, a viable business solution, but uh, it, it's a part of the industry that we just try to change and be like, listen, like these guys, maybe, maybe they'll be fine for three, four five projects, 
but the one project that they screw up on because you went with price, that one project could cost you a whole lot of money on the line, mm-hmm. you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I, we, we try to get that across to clients and some are receptive to it and some are just, they're just looking at the bottom line. So yeah. I, I, I hate that so much of my job comes down to how much it's going to cost somebody right. and not the service I can provide you that right. I'm going to give you something better than my competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, something that you can be, you can rely on, and know, and not have questions on, and not worry about down the line, because um, it's a quality product that I stand behind. Yeah. Uh, the industry just isn't geared that way. I guess I'm naive to think that people wouldn't want, especially when it comes to buildings and structures and bridges and things like yeah. that, like in walls. That they wouldn't want, you know, to get what they pay for. <laughs> yeah, 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 but, yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. They do get what they pay for. It's just a lower quality. Right. They don't, they don't want to pay for the higher. Yeah, so, yeah. And, but that falls back on uh, the engineer in terms of wanting to have the public safety and public well-being in mind. If you're a developer who's building an apartment building or whatever or, or an office building, what you care about is getting the building up and getting sure. tenants in it so you can make money off it because sure. it's a for-profit business. You're trying yes. to make money. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, they're not thinking about what's best for the building or the actual construction of it. When you're developing, all you're thinking about is the end product. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't expect people to have a knowledge of civil engineering, of geotechnical engineering, of, of landscape engineering, of structural engineering. You're not supposed to know that stuff. You're supposed to hire people that know that stuff. Yes. So, so they do, but they should be hiring the people that provided the best service, yeah. not the cheapest <laughs> service. And that's the problem that happens. They they know they have to get these experts. They have to get people who know what they're doing, but they're they're not judging that based on not they're not often enough basing that decision on 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 actual experience, actual quality. Yeah. So if I could change one part of that, would be try to change the industry from. From cost-based decision-making to, you know, merit-based, product-based right. uh, uh, industry. But but that's something that'll, I mean, that, that, that'll never change. There's yeah, no, nothing like you can a, change about that. Uh, that's just how it is. So. Sounds like a constant struggle. I will say you are not my first guest to share with me that uh, one of the downsides to their jobs is the money. You know, like, the, like you know, just money being the bottom line, whether it's like a governmental job where they have mm-hmm. to answer to somebody that has the money and things like that. Mm-hmm. So um, Cause I'm learning a lot. I, I, yeah. The end result is I work for somebody. Someone right. someone has hired me um, to provide them with a service. And so, yes. you know, it, it isn't like I go out on my own and do this stuff. I'm working. Even if I give them news they may not want to hear, and I tell them their site's terrible, they can't build on it, I'm still working for them. So I have to be hired by someone, so I have to get someone to pay me money to do the job <laughs> that to do the job that they are legally required to have me do for them. Yeah. So, so the burden that falls on them is, well, I have to get this. So if I have to pay for it, I'm going to pay the least amount for it. And that's mm-hmm. their mindset. And that's the barrier you got to overcome and be yeah. like, well, no the reason you have to get this is because it's critical to your development. Yes. It isn't, you know, the building code isn't such, they're not, they're not being a hindrance to you saying you have to have these engineers here. They're saying for the good of your construction, of your project, you have to do this. But bottom line is what it is. And, yeah. and that's, the, that's the barrier you bump up against time and time again uh, uh, that you just, sometimes you got to throw your hands up and be like, well, listen, uh, 
this is the best we can do. We can't go any cheaper. You know, mm-hmm. if, if this is what it is, this is what it is. And right. too often we've done that with clients where they say, hey, could you guys go uh, a little cheaper on this and do a <laughs> like little less and be like, negotiating. no. We, <laughs> okay, this, this is not negotiation. If, <laughs> if I could do less, I would do less, yeah. but I can't. This is, what I, this is what I have to do to give you what you need. This isn't Crazy. something I can, you know, like I'm not adding stuff just to make it more expensive. I have to do this amount right. to give you what you need. And if you don't want that and you want to, you willingly want to go somewhere else, you know, so be it. You know, sure. I, I'm not going to, I can't fight that because I said, it's not a negotiation. This mm-hmm. isn't, we're not, we're not, we're not making, we're not bartering the services. <laughs> you're, you're saying I need your services and I'm telling you, this is what you have to have. And it, it, it's take it or leave it. Uh, and, and like I said, I, I wish, I wish more clients were more receptive to, Hey, this is actually critical. Um, and the ones that know that are the ones that have been burned in the past, mm-hmm. you know, the ones that had to, Oh yeah, you had to pay an extra half million dollars in this project because someone screwed up because you didn't do it right the first time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and those jobs are always, I mean, from a financial standpoint, those jobs are good. I mean, you got to come back in on the back end and fix someone else's work. Um, because, <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's bad because that means something's gone wrong, yeah. but it, it looks good on you to be like, well, yeah, if you'd come to us the first time, yeah. you wouldn't have done this, you know, yeah. but you know, <laughs> fixing someone else's work is both good and bad. Uh, cause, oh, cause there's always more money in that, but it also means that something has gone wrong. Something sure. has failed, which shouldn't have failed the first time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, whenever we get a job like that. It's a, a mixed blessing of, hey, this is great. I love this kind of work. But it's also like someone's house could go if we don't fix this very quickly. You know, if, we don't, if we don't fix this slope soon, uh, this whole subdivision could, could be gone. That's crazy. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it, 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 it's a double-edged sword. Um, that's insane to just even think about, really. But um, we are coming up uh, on our time here together. Right. And so... I've been asking all my guests to share with me a little bit if you have any advice for somebody that maybe wants to get into geotechnical engineering or thinking about it, just civil in general, um, or just life advice, anything you'd want to share with our listeners? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I go back to, I mean, you know, you, you're looking to hopefully kind of target high school age kids and things like that, right? Yes. Kids going into, you know, what I would say is... Um, you know, this may not be true for all, all branches of engineering, but if you're going in, into the ones that I've dealt with mostly, kind of civil, mechanical, uh, uh, electrical, those kind of fields, what's really important is, is your job experience that you end up getting after mm. school. Um, the specific program that you go to in college is oftentimes less important. Like, no one... I have met anybody so far in 17 years as a professional that cares about where you went to undergrad school. You know, some places, some, some parts of the country, it may be, may be beneficial to have a, a graduate degree, a master's or something like that, but not every place is. But even then, where you get your master's is less important, you know, because uh, 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 you're getting that same base of knowledge. So if you're looking to get in engineering, this is in my mind. Um, you know, college is an experience that's more, more than just what you're learning in class. And I know that's a fine line to walk um, in that college is not just about out of class experience, but it is about life experience. Um, go somewhere you're going to enjoy, mm-hmm. somewhere that you're going to like to be the environment you're going to be in, because you're going to learn the stuff that you're going to need to learn to get a job. And then the stuff you learn on the job 
is going to be what advances you in your career. Having the degree, having the base and knowledge is going to get you a job, but that's not going to get you anything. That job's not going to differ if you went to school A or school B, really, you know? Mm-hmm. So the, the, this, the, if you're looking to get into engineering, just do well in school, have the grades, go to a school that, that you're going to enjoy being at, mm-hmm. uh, uh, find a path, find a discipline you're going to like, and then don't think about your specific academics as like, this is going to this school and getting a degree from this school is what's going to get me a job. Because that's not what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. No one's going to look at it and be like, oh, well, this guy went to this school, this technical school, and this guy went to the other school. No one's going to care about that. At least when I've interviewed people, I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. Interviews that I've been on, they don't care about that. Have a strong base of the fundamentals. You're going to learn those in any school. So worry less about the program. Unless you know for certain, unless you're positive, I want to do this engineering right away. Mm-hmm. And you want to go to that school because you want to focus on that. And then that's more for you as a student and less about your career perspectives. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to this school because going to this school is going to get you a job later. If you know you want to be a, a chemical engineer or, uh, or something like that, and you want to go to a school that specializes in that, that's really highly rated in that, do that for you, mm-hmm. for your experience there. Don't do that because you think it's going to get you a better job later. It's going to, incre- it's going to increase your your, your attractiveness in the job market. Because what I found in engineering is it's all about your knowledge base, what you know, what your experience is. You're going to get that anywhere. So you're going to get a job based on how well you interview, how well you, how well you did in school. You know, mm-hmm. did you get by with like D's and C's? Mm-hmm. Not going to do great in your interview there. Get a job, <laughs> get that experience, get the actual experience find get as much as what you can after graduation you know that's where you're gonna that's where you're gonna advance in your career uh specifically in civil engineering where you your trajectory in your career is going to be based on what you actually learn as a professional mm-hmm. not what you learn in school mm-hmm. so worry less about the specifics of your of your schooling um do well in school again like i say don't almost fail out before you decide <laughs> to go in a certain direction. Still do well in school. School is definitely still important, but the specifics of where you go, you know, your resume is not going to be led by where you got your degree from, you sure, know? Yeah. You know, so don't make a decision based on that. Make a decision on, on you know, where you want to go to school, you know, place that feels comfortable. You know, yeah. when I decided to go to UVA, it was because I visited school and like, I just, I loved it there. It's like, I want to, I want to spend time here. I want to be here. I don't care mm-hmm. if it's the highest rated engineering school and any sort of discipline. This is the experience I want to have because college is that transition point between you're like, you're like kind of an adult because you're kind of on your own, but you're still not really an adult yet. Yeah. You know, it, it's an important transition point. You learn more things about life than other than, other than just what your career is going to be. Mm-hmm. You learn some life lessons there. So there's more to school than just just the academics and the, the specific academics of what you think your major is going to be. Because so often, you, you've talked to some people, like I know Alicia was, was one of them, was what you majored in ends up not being anything you end up doing in life. Yes, you know? absolutely. So, so oftentimes <laughs> you're a major. But, but, but engineering is one of those cases where it does matter because you need that base of knowledge. You have to learn engineering to get that initial job. Mm-hmm. 
but the specifics of where you go, where you actually go. Like I said, that's not going to lead your resume. Mm -hmm. You know, my education is on my resume, but like it's at the very end. Mm -hmm. What it starts with is where I've worked and the kind of projects I've worked on and, and the, the, the responsibilities I had at my job. And then at the end, it's like, oh yeah, by the way, I have a degree from UVA. Like that's, like that's, that's not, that isn't important. No one cares mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. That's, that's never been a, a popular conversation on any professional I've ever spoken with. So, you know, a lot of kids worry about where they go to school and things like that. And some, you know, there are some, some professions that, that maybe that is important, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I think it's less so for engineers um, because ultimately it comes down is, can you do the work, you know? So you've got a degree from the top rated engineering school in the country. Um, congrats. You can still be a terrible engineer. Yes. You know? I you can, don't disagree you can still with have, that. You can still have <laughs> no, no feel for the job. Uh, you still can't be able to, to, to do your job effectively. So the, that part doesn't matter so much. So if you're thinking about engineering, um, you know, you'll, you'll get the you'll get the base of knowledge anywhere. Any student that's out there that has an interest in science and math that has an interest kind of in that STEM uh, 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 focus, um, you know, find a school that you're going to be comfortable with, that you're going to enjoy being at, uh, and you'll get the knowledge you need uh, uh, kind of regardless. And then worry about the rest of your career, the trajectory of it, when you actually start working. Yeah. That's great advice because I want to tell people that all the time, but I don't really have anywhere to apply it to. <laughs> but I mean, like, it is true, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, I talk to a lot of people, not um, for this podcast specifically, but even just other professionals that are around me. And they tell me the same thing. Like, no one's asking you, what was your GPA when you graduated college? You know, like, no one's exactly, asking yeah. that. Yeah. All they want to know yeah. is if you did the work. So exactly, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it's, it's really important in the moment. Like what are your test scores? You get into school. Where'd you go to school? There's right. a, there's a, there's a mark. There is, there are times when that's a, that can be like a false status symbol. Sure. But never in my professional career, right. you know, that's, you know good it only news. Matters. that's good news. Yeah. Yeah. It, it only matters where I went to school. Uh, when I meet someone who went to a rival school and by rival <laughs> school, I mean like athletically, you know, or, yeah, you know, like, agreed. It, 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 yeah, it, it, you know, I, for example, on a tangent, uh, from an engineering standpoint in Virginia, the quote unquote higher rated school is Virginia tech. Mm -hmm. You know, they're a polytechnic Institute. They're what they do is engineering. So technically they are a quote unquote better engineering school. So I worked with a lot of people who have degrees from, from Virginia Tech, not just in Virginia, you meet them all over. Mm -hmm. And they have, a, they have a renowned specific geotechnical engineering program there. Um, so I've met a lot of people who have degrees from Virginia Tech, uh, who I worked with all over the country, everywhere I've lived. Um, it doesn't matter at all uh, 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 where we went to school when we're working. It only matters when we meet football, you know, it only matters when we're playing <laughs> basketball. You know, that stuff doesn't matter when we're working because yeah. it doesn't matter where we went to school. It only matters is, are you competent at your job? Mm -hmm. When I talk to you, do I feel like you know what you're talking about? Because I, I, I have a base of knowledge and who I'm talking to does as well. You know, if they look at me and think that I, I don't know what I'm talking about, it doesn't matter where I, where I was educated from. All that matters is this guy doesn't know what he's doing. You yeah. know, that, that's all they think about. So that that sort of stigma or that sort of, I don't know, social standing from a professional standpoint, it's never come up. Yeah, it only like matters. It, 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 it only matters in the, you know, when you're walking around like 
in the grocery store and you're wearing your school colors or something like that. It only matters in a social <laughs> sense, you know, you know, to be proud of the school you went to the, uh, uh, you know, to, 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 to rep your school in that way, yes. uh, just in an everyday basis as a, as an alumni, that only, it only matters in that sense. It doesn't matter, uh, into my job. It's never once played a factor in my job. Yes, that's really great advice. Thank you so much for um, telling us that and sharing it with us. And thank you just so much for telling us about this industry and this field of work. I really appreciate it just from my personal standpoint as your baby cousin, because um, I learned so much about you and what you do today. And um, I know that our listeners will probably find this very insightful, too. So thank you again, Alex. I I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you, Blair. Um, Guys, thanks for listening to to today's episode if anything you heard today was interesting or you have any questions or want to just find out more about geotechnical engineering feel free to reach out to me through um, dms or you can reach out to me through email at podcast w-i-g-u at gmail.com thanks again for listening until next time bye guys